Welcome to the Creativity Lab, the podcast that shows how to channel your creativity to live your best, most beautiful life. And now here's your host, director of the Creativity Lab at West Los Angeles College, Harvard PhD, TV writer and professor, Dr. Catherine Boutry. Welcome, and thank you for joining us. Each episode, we discuss creative challenges. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Los Angeles-based architect Peter Mitsakos about trusting your gut and staying true to your creative vision while engaging the client in the design process. He'll also discuss what defines good architecture, as well as his belief that the most anti-creative thing in the world is fear. As West Edge Architects' principal architect, Peter has planned, designed, managed, and overseen construction for an impressive range of projects in the academic, institutional, and private sectors over the past 35 years. Peter, thank you so much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Can you walk me through the journey? How does one become an architect? What was that like for you? When you're in your senior year of high school and you're supposed to be picking a college and your reason you're and you would pick a college based on your major and you would pick a major based on what you want to do with your life and I was like I don't know <laughs> I have no idea and so I went to see my guidance counselor I don't know if your students know what a what a Rolodex is, but you know, it's a little card file with different things on it, like people's names and addresses, or in this, in this case, you know, in this case, a, uh, a list of careers, and it's in alphabetical order. And he just starts, well, how about accounting? And I'm like, no. And then anyway, so I see now he, why you're not a zookeeper. Yeah, right, right. We would have never gotten there. Right? So, and uh, but but uh, you know, he said architecture, and he just kept going. And I went, wait, wait, stop, say that again, and mm. and. Uh, uh, and I hadn't thought of it, but as soon as he said it, I thought it sounded like something I'd be interested in. And the more I looked into it, the more I realized that things that I liked and things that I'm good at. What are those things? Because well, people might be curious to know. What, how, what is a sign that one is a Well, you know, I, like I, I always like to draw. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, whenever my family went to the beach, you know, I'd spend the whole day making a giant sandcastle <laughs> and you know <laughs> and you meet all kinds of interesting people as you're gradually taking over all the real estate right, <laughs> right? but but uh, and and you know and I'm I'm also very good at imagining things in three dimensions mm. in, in in space I, I, you know um, my dad was an air traffic controller and especially wow. when he was doing it they didn't have the instruments and tools that they have now so you know, you had to keep in your head where all these planes were, you know, in the air, and and you know, so they don't they don't crash into each other. Sure. And so I got that from him. I, I'm I'm really able to do that when somebody gives me a, you know, like a math problem or or you know a riddle or something. I'm just imagining the elements kind of in space in relationship to each other. And so when we're working on drawings or whatever, I'm constantly sort of projecting up into three dimensions. I like the sort of physicality mm. of drawing with my hand, you know, and you know, like I draw with pencils, I draw with pens, I draw with crayons, right, you name it, right? When, when my daughter was really young and um, I would take her to her preschool class, and I'd look around and I'd realize, okay, the furniture's smaller and we have pointy scissors, but basically <laughs> it, looks like it looks like my office. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we make cardboard models, which are, are, you know, fun to do. And, 
and very engaging, right? You know, so I, I like that. Uh, a lot of people coming out of school are so skilled with the with the computer programs and working inside the computer that they may have similar kind of experience in terms of developing ideas right directly on the computer. That's not for me, but but it it you know it it works with with both of us you know with with me contributing the way I contribute and them contributing the way they contribute. I find architects really fascinating because it's one of those professions where you have a, obviously a really really strong theoretical and artistic creative side but you have to match that with practicality unless you're just making theoretical plans yeah, for things right. right so was that ever an issue for you? Do you like one part more than the other? Do you like solving problems in situ? Do you like solving problems better? Well, I guess everyone likes solving problems before they happen, right? Theoretically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more. But you know, how do those two things combine for you? You need both of those. I, I like having both of those. You know, I don't. Um, anybody who has a, an idea about uh, an architectural idea, it might not. It doesn't necessarily come from a practical place with the building they've asked me to design. In the end, right, you have to have all the rooms in the right places. You have to have, you know, not just a great classroom, but also, you know, a hallway <laughs> and, and restrooms and, and, you know, and people have to be able to get out in a fire and they have to, you know, and, and, and it, it can't rain inside the classroom when it's raining outside, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, I actually like both of those things. You know, those, and those are kind of in the design world. You know, there's another side to it, which is just the business world. Mm. The one thing that I didn't understand really is the business side mm. of things. And you know, if you, because first off, they don't teach you that in architecture school, and you really don't learn too much of it working for other people in particular sure. kinds of roles, right? So, but the reality is if you don't, if you're not successful on the business side, you don't get to do anything, right? Right. You know, and, and so you've got to figure out a way that that works. I, you know, and I, I'd say the biggest lesson that I learned, and I, this is what I would tell your students or anybody who is wanting to do kind of anything really, is that you, it may be that you don't know and, you, and there are these models out there that you kind of try, but you really should follow your own instincts and your gut and do the things the way you want to do them. And that's the business side of things and, and the, the you know, making building side of things. And, I, I wouldn't separate, you know, one is not creative and the other uncreative. Believe me, <laughs> you put all your creativity into keeping your business going. Right. You do, right? How do I get this job? How do I attract clients that will like me for who I am instead of who they want me to be? Mm. You know, I mean, that that is not easy and, and that's as big a creative problem as, as just trying to decide how to, you know, make a, an auditorium. So how do you negotiate that tension between, I really need this work right now because I'm supporting a firm and employees, and this client wants me to 
build what I think is a monstrosity, <laughs> and the client's always right, versus I'm actually right, and I have a creative vision, and I could make this amazing, but I might lose the proposal. When you realize that it's not going to go well, the sooner you stop working for that person, the better. Mm. It just keeps getting worse. Mm. And, and, uh, and, it, and it's, it's it, you know, it's challenging. There are definitely times where I took work in order to be able to keep the office going, but that because that work was not suited for us because the client's values were so different mm. than ours, when we thought we did something positive, they were not thinking that. And it's not a question of money. It's not like, well, we have a budget of, you know, so many thousands of dollars or so many millions of dollars and you've, you've done it twice that that's not it it's you can meet their budget you can meet but you're not your 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 sensibilities are just not well aligned with theirs and and it it's they're not happy you're not happy you're not making money you're you're not right it, it, those every one of those choices ended up costing me more money than i mm. made and you're not getting joy yeah and there's no joy coming from it so you know that's actually i you know it's taken me long enough to realize that you have to be true to yourself. You, you, you have to be the person that you wanna be. That all has to come out because that's how you do your best work. And then people see that and are attracted to that. You know, there's a, a pretty famous uh, graphic designer who talked about never working for bad clients because if you work for a bad client, you will only get a worse client. <laughs> so it's like, don't do it. Even, and, you know, he says it with an Italian accent. It's like, even if you are starving, don't do it. You know, it's like, and and I have to say he's right. It's it's like, you, something will come out. And the more, the more true to yourself you are, the more attractive to the people that you actually want to work with you are. Does the responsibility of someone, children, students, if you're working in a school, you know, living, using the space that you create, does that ever, the responsibility of that, does that ever keep you up at night? I think to be a good designer, you have to be a pretty empathetic person, right? You, you have to be able to sort of see things from other people's point of view. You know, if you're doing a school, it's like, well, you know, the, 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 the teachers and the students, what's their experience? Mm. And, um, and that, that, all of that sort of goes into the little cauldron of inputs, um, you know, and then something comes out as a as a as an idea to organize whatever it is. Like, oh, you know, this would be great if we, you know, if everything was oriented towards this, you know, beautiful landscaped hillside, or you know, or something, right? You know, something. Or th there's a place where everyone comes through here in coming and going every day so everybody sees each other and, and it becomes this really active, joyous place where things that you don't plan on happen, which, you know, are all sort of positive and enriching. Like, you know, those those I think are the opportunity and and that's where the design idea comes from. The things that keep me up at night are, uh, you know, like the practical side of things, it's like, oh, did we understand that code requirement properly? You know, <laughs> they're so complicated. We, yeah, because they're not straightforward. You know, and and uh, um, or you know, you know, 
I think this is in the budget, <laughs> you know, right? You know, because, like, you know, you have to, you know, you have to meet those requirements, yeah. right? You know, there's just no uh, ifs, ands, or buts about it. And and the more you, the sooner you understand what what's pushing and driving those things, the the more control you have over them. So, but do you feel like the constraints increase your creativity? Or do you feel like they stifle it? For something to be creative, it has to be directed at something. You know, it, like I think it's a misconception where people think creativity is is uh, impractical or or um, you know or superfluous or mm. decorative. You know, it's none of those things. It, you know, it's it's you know. How how do we make a place that really works for people and and is a joy to be in? Things like okay, we have so many people here that we have to have four exits and they have to be a certain width, you know, so everyone can get out in a fire and you know those kinds of things. They're just things that you need to know and need to be considered when you're generating your ideas, right? But sure. but. But not the primary idea. It's just you know the primary idea is you know what's it like to be here and why are we here and how does that how does this express that and and what's the experience that we want people to have and then after that it's like all right you know what's the sort of device that you're using to achieve those things and then you start considering it's like well wait how are we keep how are we air conditioning this place mm. you know I know that you've gone on record for saying that you enjoy an open design process and you're talking about it now. At what point in the conception of the building that you're hoping to create do you involve the client? Do you have an idea first and then share it and modify? Or do you have the sort of end user conversation first and then go to the drawing? How does that work usually? You can divide any kind of design task in and in, in different phases too in, into two parts. There's the what to do and there's the how to do it. Mm -hmm. right? The what to do I really want to engage the client, and that comes first. It's like, what are you wanting to do? You know, I mean, when that client was telling me, "Hey, I, I want, I want this place to be a sanctuary. I, I want to be able to, I want to feel at peace. I want to feel protected. Mm. You know, I, you know, those kinds of things, right? It's the, I, I want to feel like I'm connected to nature, right? That's all what to do." The how to do it. I'm less interested in people's opinions. I really, <laughs> You're the you know, it's like, sense. yeah, because in the end, right, it's like, okay, the how includes what's this thing made of? How is it standing up? You know, um, you know, it, will that actually um, meet the budget, right? Because, you know, you could have any kind of idea, right? I think this should be an upside down pyramid. Okay, right? <laughs> That's probably going to cost more than a right side up pyramid, right? So if you tell me I'm responsible for the sort of practical kinds of things, you can also then tell me what the idea is. You know, like we're not, we're, that doesn't work, right? You know, because it's like, okay, I heard what you want to do, what you're trying to achieve, what your goals are, what the experience is that you're hoping for. All right, um, I'm going to take that 
and combine it with my impressions of the site and how, you know, the sort of vibe I get from it and, 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 you know, and, and at this point, my life experience, right, of, of like what, how people are affected in certain places and, and all of that. And I take all of that and, and come up with an architectural idea. The how, right? that's yeah. the best answer yeah, I've ever heard how. to that question of how, uh, of where the theoretical meets the practical. Yeah. It's yeah. the what is the, theoret the theoretical and, and the, the how, how is the practical. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfect marriage there. I understand that perfectly. What defines good architecture for you? Architecture that is authentic, you know, that is honest about the way it's made, um, that it's not trying to look like something else. Mm. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I really don't like buildings that are pretending to have been built in Venice in 1471, and they're, you know, they're in Arizona. <laughs> you know, like, I, that just, I don't, I don't, I don't like, you know, I think buildings that are very wasteful, you know, that use materials in ways that the, it's just super inefficient, and you know, and I, and I, I don't really care if the client has all the money in the world and can afford to, you know, be wasteful, it's irresponsible. Mm. And, and it, it doesn't, and it doesn't, excess doesn't lead to more beautiful things. Mm. It, it really doesn't, you know? So I think, I think for me, that's the, I, I also think uh, architecture that's respectful of its context, you're not screwing your neighbor, you know, like, or, or looming over it. And, mm. and you know, I, I think you need to be sensitive to, to those things, I think. I, and I know that being a lead architect is really important to you and being sensitive to the environment and constraints. Is that a personal, how did that come about? The reality of the way we've been utilizing resources and, and, and throwing our trash out it's just we can't keep going. So how do you, how right? does that translate into your everyday work? Well, I I think we try and be as responsible as we can be on a number of of uh, uh, from a number of viewpoints, right? I mean the the first is is are are these materials kind of responsibly sourced uh, you know, what what's the carbon footprint? And and I'll just tell you it is really hard. Mm. The there's so much kind of BS over over um, what what products characteristics are with regards to that. What their real carbon footprint is, you know, all that. You know, we we're looking at um, concrete panels that from a from a company, you know, in America to use on a project. But it turns out, right? that they actually make the, them in Germany, <laughs> ship them to, to Michigan, mm. do some fabrication on them in Michigan, and then ship them you know, somewhere else to, to have something else happen. It's like, and you know, these things are heavy. So it, it just really piles up. But anyway, we, we, we try and do that. Uh, you know, uh, we try and be as energy efficient as we can be, and you know there are ways to 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 do that. I mean, the orientation and configuration of a building have more impact on 
how much energy is going to be used to air condition it than almost anything else you can do. Oh, wow. You know, and and then there are there are other things. I also say, you know, the most sustainable thing you can do is reuse a, an existing building. There, it's harder to do that. It, honestly, it, it it's it's really more difficult to use something that that's already there than it is to knock it down and and build a whole new one. But, you know, you're not. Think of all the concrete from the foundations that you're not having to redo. Think of all the, you know, the structure that you're not having to redo, right? All of that stuff. So, so it, it's, it's also trying to imagine, you know, how to be as light as possible in, in moving forward. And we have to do a way better job uh, than we've been doing, but that's, that's how it impacts it. If we had any community college students listening who wanted to become architects, what well, what would you say to them? What's the best way to go about it? Well, you know the, the if they don't have a Rolodex. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the great thing about about this architecture is there's more than one way to become an architect, right? You you there's actually a way to become an architect where you don't. You know, you don't have to have an accredited degree in architecture. You have to work longer for for someone who's already licensed, right? And you have to pass the test, right? But but there's a few ways to do it. I mean, when I went to school, I had a, a an accredited professional degree, which meant that I had to work a minimum of 30 months before I was eligible to even, you know, pass the last part of the exam. Um, I'll say that it took me twice that long to feel like I was able to pass the last part of the exam, right? But but uh, but if you don't if you don't have a five-year degree and you have a four-year degree, you have to work a little bit longer. And I honestly think that you actually don't really need a full degree in order to do it. You just have to work longer. I think you know if you work eight years, you're eligible to take the test. You pass the test, you can be an architect. So, so I think that there's there are multiple routes into it. Now, I would say that there are things that you get out of going to, to an architecture school that if you can do it, do it. You know, I mean, beyond the um, beyond the the things you might learn about history and theory or or and, and the way building systems work, there's also the the your colleagues, right? My classmates are still my best friends. You know, and we in in architecture school, you go through through all the classes as a cohort, which means you know, and so you stay up three days in a row trying to finish stuff with the with the same people, right? You you do you you form some bonds, and right. and those people are are invaluable to you in a multiple ways in in finding a job in having support when you lose your job you know the, you know all, all the kinds of things that that uh, that those kinds of friendships are for so last question I wanted to ask you how do you keep growing in your creativity in your work how do you keep finding new joy new creativity in life and work you, you as know an you know it's funny because because of you, right? I I got involved with the creative studies uh, uh, program, and I just started really looking into, well, what does anybody mean by creativity? And I've done a lot of thinking about it. You know, um, 
and and I I think that that there are things that we carry with us that get in the way, and as you become aware of them, you're able to deal with them. And and you know, I mean, one of the things I think like the most anti-creative thing in the world is fear, mm. right? Like the most the the most anti-creative force I agree is you. is fear. If you are afraid that you won't be finished on time, if you're afraid that what you're thinking about won't work, if you're afraid of all kinds of things, if you're afraid of success, if you're afraid of failure, if you're afraid of yeah. any of these things, it keeps you, if you're afraid of not having enough work in the office to, to, to pay everybody, if, you're, if any of those things keeps you from being, from really being who you are and finding the, the things that, that, that really work, you know. Um, Have you struggled with fear and how did, oh, you, how did you overcome it? By recognizing it and realizing, you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time sort of preparing for the worst. And you know, part of the problem with that <laughs> is that the worst kind of happens because you're so ready for it. And, and uh, so I don't do that anymore. I, I think, you know, it, you know, if you're lucky, you keep growing your whole life. And, 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 and of course, you know, in any profession, right, you're wanting to keep up with whatever is happening, you know, whether it's new or different materials that are available or, or, or if it's different, you know, software tools, if it's whatever it is, whatever sort of the thinking is, you, you want to be current, you know, and, but I think more important than that is being aware of your own sort of personal growth and, and where you need to grow. I love that. That's super inspirational. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. Well, it's been a pleasure. I, 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 I really thank you for the opportunity to talk about this.